Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. So glad that you're here with us today as we begin a year together. And in praying about, you know, words, what to teach through right now, you know, um, it being the first Sunday of the year, I, I really started to, to think through different, different uh, possibilities. And I kept thinking about all these, all these like dreams that, that are represented in this room, like for your, for your lives, your individual lives, your collective lives as, as families, as friends, as parents, as grandparents, you know, um, we have all these, these dreams. And then there, there are these dreams for us as a church family as well. And, uh, I really started to think about, um, how they all kind of come down to you, like require something that's very important. And it's, it's that we have the heart of a learner. Whether it's dreams for your individual life or your marriage, your family, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, all those kinds of things, or our church. I mean, any dream that you come up with, when it comes to what, what does God want to do here, you, you have to have the heart of a learner. And you can, you can call it uh, whatever you want. You can call it a, a disciple uh, you can call it the heart of a, of a student. Um, all throughout the scriptures, though, we, we see that, that there's this humility that's required uh, of, of learners who are, are looking to their master um, to shape them and to, to form them and to grow them and to mold them. That all the things that we want to see our lives become re- require us to be the humble learner to, and to look at the... like all-knowing, all-powerful, infinitely wise master. Those things have to fit together. And a couple of scriptures came came to mind. You don't have to turn to these. We won't put them on the screen. But in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, The the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. That we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. That there is a, a progressiveness to our lives as learners. Uh, he says the same thing in Colossians 3. says that we've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's this renewal, there's this transformation. There, the gospel points to this like on this onward motion. And yet, as humans, we, we tend to kind of like um, tend to reach the end of a time as a learner in a lot of areas of life, and we kind of just plateau. Um, in different areas of life, you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn, and then you kind of got it figured out, and you just kind of like level out a little bit, you know? And I remember when I was in college, I read a book that was one of the one of the books that God used to really like shape me and mold me. It's called "The Life You've Always Wanted" by John Ortberg. So if you're looking for a good uh, read this year, put that on your list. Um, but he makes this point early in the book about how tragic uh, Popeye the Sailor Man is. And I never really thought about it because you think of Popeye and it's like, it's fun, right? It's a cartoon. It's not supposed to have like some big, like deep moral, like lesson to it. Um, but in one of, one of Popeye's many mottos, you know, he says, I, I am what I am and that's all that I am. 
And he says that in times when like he's kind of in a jam, he doesn't really know what to do. And he's like kind of wanting to maybe like lower the expectations on him in a moment, you know? And he's like, well, I, I am what I am. That's all that I am. And I remember as a, as a, and I think I was in my last year of college, or one of my last years of college, let's say that, uh, when, I, when I first read it, and I remember thinking, man, I never really took that as like a sad statement before. It, always, always, it was kind of kitschy, kind of funny. But let's just assume that Popeye's a real person for a second. And what if, what if that, is a, that statement is a reflection of the human condition in a way that's maybe deeper than the cartoonist intended, you know? Because to me, that describes a lot of, of like how we kind of level out. When you get to where you, you just plateau and you're like, well, that's, you know, I don't know, it's kind of who I am at this point, you know? It says in Luke 2.52, you don't need to turn to this either. Um, I was thinking through different areas of life. It says that this about Jesus. There's this one verse that takes us from w- between when he was like 12 and then when he was 30. We just have this one verse. It says, uh, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. If you were to use that verse and compartmentalize different areas of life, we, we plateau in them. He, it says he grew in wisdom, so, which is a kind of a mind-blowing thing that the, like, the incarnate God had to like, learn how to read and write. You know, he had to learn how to add and subtract and do those things. He had to learn Hebrew. Uh, he had to, like, memorize the scriptures even though he wrote them. Like, there's just this mind-blowing thing there that I'll just glance over real quick. Um, but he increased in wisdom, and, and we do that, right? We increase in wisdom. There's a, there's a point where you're, you're learning and you're, you're in school and stuff like that. I have a five-year-old niece named Amelia, and she's amazing, and she... Uh, it's uh, awesome to watch her learn how to do things. And just like all of a sudden she like, her, her vocabulary is expanding. We're like, how do you know that word? You know? And she's like adding and subtracting things. Like, how do you know how to do that? There's this little game that they have where it's like different kinds of fake money. And you like go into the store and you buy something, you have to make change and she can make change. I'm like, I can't make change. You know, um, I'm just trusting that the guy at the circle K made the right change for me. I'm not going to count it. I, I couldn't prove him wrong if I tried, you know, um, but she can do this and she's in that learning phase. And a lot of us, you know, when you're in school, that's kind of how, it, how it goes. And maybe, maybe when you get into your vocation and you're kind of learning how to do something or you start a new job and there's like a learning curve where you're, you're learning how to do everything. And then once you know how to do it, you stop being as aggressive as a learner, don't you? I remember finishing seminary and just vowing that I would never read another book. <laughs> I was like, I'm done with books forever. Uh, which is not entirely true, but um, I still don't like them all that much sometimes. But uh, there just comes a point where as a learner, we plateau. You're, you're not as hungry to learn things as you once were. Um, it says that he grew in stature. And so there comes a point where, like in your life, you're just like, well, this is, this is what my hair does. You know, like this is what I look like. This is how I dress. This is, uh, this is just, I don't know, there's nothing I can do about it, you know. Um, there comes a point where you just plateau into adulthood and you're like, all right, there it is. I'm not saying that you don't work on those things and stuff like that. And I'm also not saying you don't still try to learn. But in general, don't we, don't we take our foot off the gas a little bit in those things? It's just kind of the nature of, of humanity. Um, it says that he, he increased in favor with man. 
There's a point where you're going through and you're, you're, you're coming along and you're making friends and you're like social and you're doing these things. And then you just get to the point where you're like, these are my friends or I don't have that many friends. And that's just kind of how it is. You, you hit that same kind of plateau where you're like, I am what I am. It's all that I am. And I'm just going to ex- accept it. And sometimes at the first of the year, you, you feel pushed to make some changes in those different areas, and that's great. And sometimes they're sustained, and sometimes they're not. But a lot of us, especially when you get to be an adult, you just kind of hit those plateaus. And we kind of get into that Popeye mindset, whether we know it or not. We're like, this is who I am. It's all that I am. It's kind of how it is. I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried this. And we, and we just kind of settle into something that's comfortable for us. And then it says that he, he increased in favor with God. And we can do the same thing in our relationship with the Lord where we're like, well, this, you know, this is just kind of how I am. It's kind of, it's kind of what my faith looks like in its expression. Um, you know, I'm, it it could take various forms. You could say, "Well, I've I've, I've tried to I've tried to read the Bible, and I just, I'm just not a Bible person." You know, I've tried to get up early and pray. I'm just this is not my thing. Um, I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried this. I'm just going to kind of settle into this Popeye zone here. You know, I'm not like, you know I'm not like them. I'm not like that person. This didn't work. This didn't. This is just kind of what works for me. And if we're not careful, we become these like tragic figures like Popeye a little bit where we've plateaued in our lives and we just sort of just accepted that this is, this is how I am. That's all I'll ever be. And it's just, you know, take me or leave me, you know, and you, your plateau in, in wisdom or stature or favor with man, um, those things are like they're 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 valuable and they're important and you don't need to like settle in those things at all. I'm not endorsing that. But as a as like a pastor, um, my investment is in that is in that fourth one. My investment is in your relationship with God. That that would not be a like the like Popeye plateau would not happen for you in that. That every time we come together whether it's in this room or in equipping classes or small groups or having coffee one-on-one, whatever it would be, that, that we would be drawn out of that like plateau that we might be in with the Lord. That there is this hunger um, to continue to grow and become. And so I spent some time asking the Lord, not so much to help identify the, that plateau idea, because I think it's, I think we all. Know, well, I think everyone's on the inside. You're like, okay, I, I mean, I mean, you either are there or you've been there before. Kind of lost that drive to become. So I started to ask the Lord, like, what what lies beneath that? You know, like in my own life, when I realized, like, man, I I've just accepted, I've I've just settled for mediocrity in my transformation. What's at the bottom of that? And there's two things I think He led me to. The first one. First one is desire, you know, like, do I, do I really want to become more? 
Do I, do I look at Jesus when I read about him in the scriptures, when we study about him, when we sing about him? Do I look at him? Do I desire to, to become like him? Do I even want to morph, you know? And that's one thing. Some of us don't feel like it, you know? But I think lower than, like, beneath that one is, do I even know that I'm able desire but ability you know like is it can i can i become more than i am right here in this moment like is popeye saying that because he's convinced somehow that he cannot become more than he is is that his kind of like defense mechanism like i am what i am that's all that i am and he works it into a little song and then everyone's like haha popeye's so funny but is he actually like expressing a lie about himself that he's come to believe? That, that, that he could never be more than that. Do you and I, have we bought into a lie that says you can never become a person who loves the scriptures? You'll never be a person who loves to pray. You'll never be generous. You'll never be a servant. You'll never be humble. You'll never be an encourager. You'll never be this or this or this or this or this. You are what you are and that's all that you are and you just need to accept it. Well, if that's you today or has been you or if you are about to ease into a season of that, then Peter has something to say to you. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Stop right there. We don't really have to go on because he's sort of, Peter, just through the Spirit's leadership, kind of puts us in our place in a great way. Like, not in a, like, uh, I'm going to put you in your place, you know, have a seat. And, and uh, like, I'm going to put you in your place, stand up, kind of way. That his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and his own excellence. Let's break that down just for a second. Um, his divine power. So this is, this is the power that created everything that we see out of nothing by just speaking it into existence. We're not, we're not looking at things that were created uh, after the creation, you know? Like everything around us that has been created, uh, he, they spoke into existence. Just, he just said, let there be light, and there was light. That's, that's power. That's divine power. It's the same power that looked at a dead Jesus in the tomb and said, get up and come out of the grave. Now, those are my two favorite examples. There are a lot of other examples, of course, but we're talking about a power that's different than anything else that we've ever seen before. 
That his, his divine power has done everything that's, uh, that's left in the sentence. So the same power that spoke creation into existence out of nothing and raised Jesus from the dead has done everything that, that follows. Um, it is not uh, like your earning that has done this. And so if you're caught up in this, in this like rat race of um, I, have to, I have to earn this, I have to do this in order for God to do this, and the reason why God doesn't do this in my life is because I'm not good enough or I haven't worked hard enough, or if you're in that earning kind of idea, then, then just let that be crushed this morning under the weight of his divine power doing this. His divine power has done what? Has granted to us, okay? So you... Who, who is the us that he's talking about here? The us that he's talking about is us who are in Christ. If you, have, if you recognize your need for, for a divine redeemer named Jesus, and you have surrendered your life to him in faith, by grace, then, then you are a part of the us. Because you too have been raised to walk in newness of life. You have crossed out of death into life just like Jesus did. And so if that is you, then you are a part of, what, of who he's talking to here. And if that is not you, or if you're wondering if that is you, you don't need to leave here today wondering. I want you to stay afterwards and come talk to, talk to me, talk to someone. Just find someone that looks like they might know what they're doing and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Uh, but do not leave here without wondering if you're part of the us. His divine power has granted to us who are in Christ uh, all things, so everything that we need that pertain to life and godliness. He his divine power has given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. Two, two different things. Life, meaning that when Jesus was raised from the dead, you also were raised from the dead. And Jesus will never die and you will never die. And we'll, we'll die, these bodies will die. But that immaterial part of us will go on to live with him. And then when he returns... And it makes everything new. Then there will become a material you again. But you you will never die. And so his divine power has granted to you everything you need to live forever just like he intended for you to live. And not just to make it about eternity, but you live that life now. So you and I are living that eternal life in this moment. So as life brings all the garbage that life throws at us, we're not dead beings walking through these things. We're fully alive beings walking through these things. And even though we're in these earth suits that are, that are wearing out and they have all kinds of issues and all that kind of stuff, and we have this overlap between the old, old world and the new world, we're still fully alive walking through it. And so heaven is happening now for us. Um, and so everything that you need for that to be real has been granted to you, has been given to you for life. And then he says, and for godliness, what is godliness? Godliness is, uh, it is a godlike life. It is, uh, it is like the, like Jesus and everything about him being formed in you. It is you, as you walk in the shadow of him, the master, you, the learner, 
being formed and shaped into living just like the master. And so the longer you walk with him, the more you become like him and you begin to, to think like he thinks and speak like he speaks. And um, you begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates and stand for what he stands for and be compassionate toward those he's compassionate toward and uh, your life patterns after him. And that never plateaus in your entire life. There is no Popeye moment for us in Christ. That godliness is the trajectory of our lives and it is meant to only increase and never ever level out. Now if you want to plateau in wisdom or stature or favor with man, that's not something, that's not, that's, that's for you and that's, it matters to me, but it doesn't matter to me as much as this matters. This to me is, is the, is the, the heartbeat is the passion of like what we do together. And he's given you everything you need for both of those things to happen, for you to live forever and for that to start now and your life to be a God-like life. That you can become like Jesus. And how has he done this? Through the knowledge of him who's called you. So through knowledge of him, what does it mean to know him? It means to know, like to know him. This is a relationship thing. This is not a checking boxes thing. This is not a religion that just requires us to keep the right rules until we die. This is a relationship with the rabbi. It's one of my favorite like, like things to think about these, these disciples and their rabbi is that they live their lives just traveling around together. I've said this before, you can go to, you can go to Israel right now and you can see these groups uh, walking around, a rabbi and a couple of teenagers behind him who are learning from him. They're watching him, they're imitating him. They're everything, their whole desire is to become just like him. And Jesus looked his disciples in the eye before, before he went to the cross and he said, you're going to do even greater things than me. What do you, what do you think that means? It means he's going to form himself in us and then scatter us out everywhere where he can only be in one place at one time while he's on the earth. And he's like, oh, it's about to like the, it's be exponentially covered throughout the earth. My disciples are going to do even greater things. That means that he believes in our ability to become like him. It's through our knowledge of him. It's through knowing him. It's through that relationship with him. When we plateau, it's because we've checked out of that relationship. You ever have a friendship that plateaus? And you go back and it's like, oh yeah, because I haven't hung out with that person. I haven't communicated with that person. I haven't talked to that person. Then we get the illusion of Facebook, you know, which makes us feel like we know what's going on in people's lives. We're like, oh, and I have a relationship with them. You don't have a relationship with them, you know? But you think that you do because there's some information you're working with. This is not that, you know? This is a spend time with God kind of thing. And so through knowing him, all of this has been granted to us. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So he's calling us into into this life that he knows everything about. And so you mash all that together. And so in the, 
in the speaking creation into existence, raising Jesus from the dead, in that divine power, he's looked at all his sons and daughters and says, I'm going to give you everything that you need to live forever, starting right now, and to become, to become just like me. Your character, your heart, your attitude, your everything, to become just like me. And all, it all happens just through knowing me. You just know me. And the more you know me, the more that will become the case for you. And I've called you to something that's glorious and it is excellent. And I know it for a fact. Let me lead you to it. And so if at the bottom of our, of our Popeye-ness, if, if the question is, can I morph? What do you think this verse would say in response? Absolutely. If you believe for a second that you cannot become more than you are, uh, then you are believing a 100% lie. I'm not trying to sound like Tony Robbins here or anything. I'm not trying to sell you any sort of product. or This is not about like any, any of those kind of things. When I say become more than you are, I'm talking about become more like Jesus than you are. And if you've accepted and you've just kind of settled into that, I, I, wanna hear, I want you to hear the Spirit calling you out of that, Popeye. You know, come on, Popeye. Can I morph? Yes, you can morph. Is that what you are and all that you are? No, you have to rage against it. That verse is pretty stout, but then he keeps going. Look at the next verse. By which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you might you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Let's break that one down for a second. He's he's made these precious and very great promises to us. So to know him is to know his promises. And to know that as he is making these promises about himself, about you, about me, about forgiveness, about eternity, about all these things, he's making these promises and and he's keeping them. So as this relationship goes, we learn what his promises are and we learn how faithful he is to keep them. And so his divine power has given us everything we need for this to be true through knowing him and through knowing his promises. Where do we find those promises? In the scriptures. I'll come back to that in a second. These precious and very great promises so that through them, through his promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Well, think about that phrase for a second. A partaker of the divine nature. That is saying exactly what you think it's saying. That you can become like the one whose image you were made in. Like that's what he wants for you. He's not withholding that from you. He's not giving you the stiff arm and being like, hey, well, until you get your act together, uh, we, ain't really, we ain't doing all this. He's saying, no, I, I want you to become a partaker of, of my nature to the point where I will make promises and keep them all surrounded by my very own death. I'll die so this can be possible for you. Every parent wants the absolute best for their kids. 
And as a son, daughter of God, he wants this for you. Like he, this, is, this is what is best for you, is to be a like, complete, accurate reflection of the image that you were made in, which is his own. That through these promises, you can become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Isn't that where the trap falls for us? In, in the, this, this corrupt world that we, that we live in, that lies to us and lures us in and um, has all these lustful things about it. He's saying, look, you, you can escape that. Like, you can, through Christ, you can escape the power that that has over you, that perceived power. You can escape that and you can become a partaker of the divine nature. That's a part of the promises of God. And when you look at, at your life and you're thinking, um, do, I want to, do I want to morph? Do I want to become like him? Do I want to partake in the divine nature? Do I want to escape the corruption that I see all around this ridiculous world? Do I want what he is offering to me? You tell me. If the issue is ability to morph, then the previous verse says it. This one, though, is saying, like, if you want this, it can be yours. Do you want it? You have to want it. You have to want to to continue to turn your back on the corruption of the world and to set your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And say, that's what I want. He's what I want. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. This is a picture of, of like this trajectory. I have a feeling that Peter was like, I, I should probably just stop listing things right now, but I could go on. That if your whole life is you're just, you're just supplementing and you're adding and you're building and you're growing, that, that there never comes a point where you're like, hey, I think I've got it all figured out now. Hey, I think I'm pretty much as Christ-like as I could possibly be. And that's part of the beauty. Is that from, the, from the, the moment you say yes to Jesus until he calls you home or returns. From, that is just one long journey that never has to plateau. Because you can always add and add and add and add. Ask someone who's, who's really walked with Jesus for a long time and they'll tell you it's better and better and better and better and better. Amen. Last verse, verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, do you really want to settle? 
I mean, no one signs up. I, I like the uh, unfruitful and unproductive uh, journey, please. You know, no, of course you don't want that because Christ in you it doesn't want that. There's a part of you that loves the plateau because it's easy. You just kind of coast. It's like that with learning. It's like that with. It's like that in wisdom and stature and favor with man. You just kind of coast. I'm not saying it's okay, but it's easy. But with the Lord, you know what happens is there's there's something in you. There's like this really steady drum that beats. And as that drum is beating, it beats a little louder when you're around other people who are pursuing it. And not in a negative comparison way, in a good way. They're they're spurring you on. That drum constantly is beating. And so let me ask you this. If you look back at verse 5, as I wrap up here, he says, for all these, for all these reasons, make every effort to supplement. And he goes on. Make every effort. So what's, what's your plan? You know? Like you won't, you're not going to like in, in, in any area of, of breaking out of that plateau, you're not going to suddenly like get out of that. You know, if you plateaued in wisdom, you have to have a plan to break out of the plateau. Same thing with stature. Same thing favor with 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 man. Same same thing with with the Lord. You need to have a plan for what to do with it. Otherwise, you get fired up in a worship service. And you're like, oh yeah, here we go. 2020 is my year. And you walk out and you have no, you know, there's nothing to like. There's no plow to put your hands to, you know. So what's it going to be for you? What's your plan? Let me give you. Let me give you just a concept to think about as you you can fill in the you can fill in the dot uh, fill in the blanks. I don't know. Forgive me. Um, think of it. Think of it like this. Uh, I'm not the most knowledgeable person about uh, subway cars. Sorry. I need to grow in wisdom in that. Um, but I've read up a little bit on it. And if you think of your, if you think of your growth, like a subway car, you've got two rails, right? On one rail, one rail you can consider like the, the practices of God's people. Like the, some people call them spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices. This is, uh, this is reading the Bible. This is prayer. This is solitude. This is silence. This is, um, this is serving. This is hospitality. This is like, these are the, like the things that we see Jesus doing. And we see all throughout the new Testament, Paul and Peter, and these guys are, are, are showing us how to train ourselves in godliness by doing these things. And so it, for you to move forward, those things are going to be a part of it. It's like the, the precious promises of God. Well, how do I know what those are? Well, they're in your Bible. That's how you know what they are. Um, how do I know Jesus more? Well, prayer in the scriptures, that's how you know him more. Um, th- but there's, a, there's all these, these practices, and some of them are about things that you do, and sometimes it's about things you abstain from. So fasting would be, it would be on that list of, of things you cut out of your life. But there are these spiritual practices that, um, that are going to be a part of that. And that's why we do um, community groups the way that we do. That's why we do equipping classes. That's why there's a whole library of resources that we have if you want to like get aggressive about something. But one of those rails is going to be the, the practices of the people of God.
the other rail is going to be is going to be a, a community that you do life beside, and that can be a close group of friends, that can be a community group, um, or a, like a small group of, of of any sort. But that's that's why we put such a high value on on things. I, I've heard this phrase over the last couple of years where. Or there are churches that they have like settings where where you're in rows and they have settings where you're in circles, you know, and and re- really you have to have both. You have to have these big like larger gatherings are good, but also sitting in a, around in someone's living room that's also good. Um, and you do that week after week after week, and you live life together. So those relationships of other people on the same journey are going to be that's one one track, and the practices of God are the other track. But the reason why I say this is a, like a subway car is that there's a third rail on the subway. And apparently you don't want to touch the third rail because it is full of electricity and it will like, destroy you immediately. So in case you ever get pushed down there, everyone's worst nightmare when you go to New York is that you're going to fall into the thing. Don't touch the third one. I don't know if it's labeled or what. I'm not really sure, but don't touch it. Um, but it is full of electricity. Those other two, they just sit there. Until the third one is energized. And that's when the subway cars move down the track. So what's the third rail? It's the Holy Spirit in your life. He is the one that is empowering those practices and empowering that community and pushing your life in the direction that you want it to go. If, if, if you are not asking him to, to, to energize those things, then you're just going to sit there and you're just going to tread water. That's a lot of times why we, we feel like, oh, no, I read my Bible and nothing really happened. Well, let's talk about how to get the power of the Spirit in that Bible study time. So, so I, I tried community group. I, I didn't really like it. Well, let's, 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 figure out, let's figure out what to do about that. It's going to involve the practices of God, and it's going to involve the people of God, and it's going to involve the Holy Spirit making it all happen. Now you have to fill those in if, if you're like your plan is going to involve those things, but figure out what works for you. And if you need help doing that, that's a part of why we walk in community together. Um, let me just close by, by reminding of you, you of what's true that if you're questioning, uh, is it possible for me to morph that his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness? through just knowing Jesus. And if you know him, um, be like knowing and believing those promises and letting that fuel you and empower you and push you forward, yes, you can morph. If you don't know him, you can know him today. It's, it can happen. But if you don't want it, I, I don't know what to do for you. Um, but I bet you do want it. I bet you do. My advice, if you don't want it, is to just confess that to the Lord. To say, not only am I Popeye, I love being Popeye. And I need, and I need you to help me get out of this. And see what he does. So I hope this is encourage, an encouragement to you. Because if we're going to have the heart of a learner, we like learners don't sit in that plateau. Learners get aggressive. And I hope that you feel God, no matter, no matter where you are in the journey, I hope you feel the God kind of nudging you forward a little bit. Let me pray for us.
God, I love that, that that verse begins talking about your divine power and not our, um, not our sincere efforts or uh, our correct behavior or us keeping rules or, or us having to sacrifice goats or you know, any, anything else that it could be. It just says that your power has granted and given to us what we need. I'm grateful for that. I pray that we would be stewards of what has been entrusted to us. That no matter where we are across the room, that we would believe that we are able to grow and to morph and to become. And that being a partaker of the divine nature and turning our backs on corruption, that's that's real and possible for us. And pray that you would keep the enemy far away. He wants to lie to us and tell us it's, not, it's just not a thing. I pray that you would stoke the fires of desire for us, that we would want this more than we want other stuff. That this would just rise above the other things that we claim to want and build our lives around and prioritize, but that this would be something we hunger and thirst for and at the same time, we don't have to hunger and thirst for long because you're there to, to, nur- like to feed us and to nurture us. And So whatever's stirring in our hearts this morning, I pray, God, that you would just have your way as we respond. We love you, God, and we thank you. and pray this in your name. Amen. We have a couple ways we respond here at Living Hope. Uh, just believing that there's different personalities and different different desires around the room. And so couple options. We're going to sing in just a minute. And so if there's a song in your heart that just needs to kind of get out there, then you'll have your chance. If you want to pray, uh, there's steps. These steps are open for that. You may see people come down and kneel and pray. We want to encourage that. Uh, we also have some folks on the front row uh, who would love to, uh, to pray with you if there's something going on in your life. Um, John's here. Chase, I think, is here somewhere. Meg's here. Um, if you want to receive communion, that is going to be uh, what these, that's what these lovely folks are here for. Um, there's something, something about the tangible action of taking the, taking the bread and dipping it in the juice. And as they say, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you, this reminder um, that this, this, is, like, this is who we are. This is a part of, of the the divine nature. It's, it's one of the precious and great promises that Peter speaks of that Christ has done this for us. And so if taking communion is something that would be helpful for you to kind of give you something tangible to do, then these lines are open. You don't have to be a member of our church to do that. You just have to believe what Jesus is offering to you. And lastly, if you, if you don't know if you're part of the us, then these folks in the front would love to talk with you about that or stick around afterwards. Um, That'd be fine. Let's stand together as we respond in these different ways.